Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist and now a health coach based in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. I started this podcast in 2020 to help you live a better life. And today we're tackling your sleep issues with sleep expert, Devin Burke. He's the author of The Sleep Advantage and can help you sleep better at the Sleep Science Academy. You'll get the scoop on sleep apnea, mouth taping, and wearing blue light blocking glasses and more. You'll get to meet him right after this. We are a divided country politically, aren't we? But there's one thing we could all agree on, and that is saving money. You can do that as a customer at Akles Carpet One. AklesCarpetOne.com is the website, and that will direct you to the inventory. Now, let me tell you about Akles Carpet One. Richard Akles started this business as a flooring store. And then it became a home store. Now it's just about everything for your home, ceiling to floor. Whether you need new kitchen cabinets, a new bathroom, you need a tub, a shower, and of course, all the flooring. Everybody is so crazy about the luxury vinyl plank because it's the one that looks like hardwoods, but it's so affordable and you don't have to worry about them. If you have humans that live with you or dogs or cats or just anything, that flooring can take it. And then if you're a customer of Akles Carpet One, you know that they beat the big box store prices. Ding, ding, ding. And the other thing to save money is they have a $100 coupon right now on their website. You can find it there. You can come in from out of state. You can be a local customer. It doesn't matter. You can save money. Do it now. Go to their website, AklesCarpetOne.com. Hey, Central Arkansas listeners, have you eaten at Jess's Chicken yet? They've been open now, I think about a year, and people are loving it. You can order online, you can have them cater, you can do box lunches to take to people, or you can just enjoy the food yourself. Let me tell you about some of the options. It's a great place if you are gluten-free because you can get their signature chicken salad flavors uh, that are so refreshing and packed with flavor. They are so good. You can do uh, the savory or the sweet. Yes, please, on both. You can get dairy-free options as well at Jess's Chicken. They've got boneless chicken nuggets and breast fillets that are hand-breaded and tender and juicy. Their desire there is to serve their guests in Central Arkansas with real quality fresh food, what you would feed your family. They've got the scapegoat soda that's exclusive to their store and made with real cane sugar. It doesn't have the yuck of the high fructose corn syrup. So they're thinking about you and your family when you eat at Jess's Chicken. There's one location, that's Rodney Parham, I-430. You can drive through today. They take Sundays off to worship with their family, hoping you do the same, but you can go there the other six days a week or go online, jesschicken.com. She won most talkative in high school and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Okay, I've never had a sleep expert on, and I think this is the one thing we can all say that somebody, either they have struggled with sleep or they know someone who is, and it is epidemic right now, Devin. But I mean, your your goal in life is to help us sleep better. So what's step one? <laughs> well, 
I always like to say step one is understanding that uh, sleep is the most natural thing in the world and that there's nothing you can do to force or control sleep. Really important for people to get because a lot of think a lot, a lot of people that have sleep issues, the first thing they do is they start scouring the internet for what do I do yeah. to get my sleep back? And not that there's a lot you can do. And it's really important for people to understand that sleep is a natural biological process that happens when you allow it to happen versus trying to force and control it. So we're going to just throw that right out from the beginning. Um, but there are there's so many things that people need to understand when it comes to improving sleep and and really optimizing it so that not you're not just it's not just about getting enough sleep. You want to make mm -hmm. sure that you're getting mm -hmm. quality sleep. And so, um, but yeah, I want to just start with that. There's, it's so, so critical for people to understand that very important concept of not well, trying to force or control it. Right. But it, it is life giving too, because as we all know that um, we torture prisoners, how? By depriving them of sleep. So sleep is, uh, I had one guest the other day say sleep was even more important than our nutrition, than a lot of other things in our health because there is a correlation and you can tell us about this between sleep and insulin resistance so being overweight so let's address that what is what does lack of sleep or broken sleep do that affects the scales yeah i mean this is super common you could have the the eating the perfect diet you're exercising but you just can't seem to lose the weight and then you start to ask questions around well how are you sleeping and people are like well I'm, I'm not really sleeping and so even after one night just one night of not getting enough sleep your insulin is if you got a test a blood test could look yeah. like pre-diabetic so wow. it really does affect insulin on a mass and, and this is why you know so so cortisol insulin Gernal and leptin. These are the hormones that kind of wreak havoc on our bodies when we're not sleeping. So you, people can experience, you know, even everyone had this, this experience. You don't sleep well. You wake up and you crave sugar and fat like mm -hmm. crazy. And mm -hmm. no matter how much you eat, you're still hungry. I think everyone can relate to that. And this is what happens because of these hormones are pretty much hijacking our, our bodies saying, survive we need to get sugar and fat to survive because something is 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 wrong and so the the body is is craving sugar and fat right ghrelin and leptin are thrown off the hunger and full signaling hormones and then cortisol is higher so where are we storing that fat we're storing it around the worst place which is the midsection right and so and this then becomes this vicious cycle of people not sleeping so the body's more stressed and then a stressed body has trouble sleeping. So this becomes this, wow. this sort of paradox that people find themselves on. And uh, I, my heart goes out to people that are, that are in this struggle. We, you know, we help support hundreds of them across the United States, but it's like, it's, it's not fun because it's like, you feel like your life's kind of falling apart. Life feels chaotic. Your mental health, you know, goes down the tubes. You know, you, you feel foggy, you feel irritable. And, uh, and you just, you just don't feel good. You don't feel like yourself when you're not sleeping. But there's also the kind of the, the paradox of that is sometimes too much sleep is also a sign. Somnolence is a sign of depression. I, I would say probably more than anything depression, but it's not restorative sleep at that point, is it? No. And, and most people, when they're in sort of a, a depressed state, oftentimes they're taking some type of 
medication. Um, and unfortunately, I'm not anti-medication. There's a time and place, thank God we have medication. Right. But a lot of the medication that people take, whether it's for depression or anxiety or for insomnia, unfortunately, it's, it's, they're sort of like sedatives. And there's mm-hmm. a difference between sedation and sleep. So these sedatives, I like to give the analogy, it's kind of like if you know, they knock you out, like if somebody punched you in the face and you're lying on the floor and people are like, oh, look, he looks like he's peacefully sleeping. It's no, that's totally different state than, <laughs> than real sleep, right? And so that's unfortunately what a lot of these medications do. And again, there's a time and a place for medication. Um, and I think that people jump too quickly to medication and stay on it too long and don't really address the underlying root causes to, to then have the body restore its natural natural ability to heal and to, to sleep, which is exactly what you know sleep does for the body. Well, if you look at diagnostic tools for sleep, sleep deprivation, interruptions, other things, do you, do you think there's we have more power in learning about our bodies to determine what our sleep is doing? Or do you think a sleep study is something that someone ought to spend the time and money you know, and hassle for. Yeah, I think so. So sleep apnea is, is, is a dangerous condition that a lot of people have and don't realize they have. So if you think that you have sleep apnea and the signs that you have, there's a possibility that you might have sleep apnea is you wake up short of breath and you snore. If you have these, these things happening, then you definitely want to take the the time to go and, and do a sleep study or have an in-home sleep study done to see if you have sleep apnea, because that puts a lot of stress on the heart. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have sleep apnea and it's undiagnosed. And then, you know, people unfortunately have heart attacks uh, as a result of just putting that extra stress on their, on their body and their heart throughout the night. Now, if you have insomnia, a sleep study is not really going to do much for you. Um, oh, you know, okay. Yeah. So if you have insomnia and there's different classifications of insomnia. So, you know, there's, there's transient insomnia, which can last a couple of days. There's acute insomnia, which can last a couple of weeks. And there's chronic insomnia, which is categorized for having trouble either initiating sleep or staying asleep for longer than three months or the, the issues lasted longer than three months right. and it's impacting your day. So a lot of people have chronic insomnia. And don't realize it either. And um, but a sleep study is not going to really do much for for that. You know how many people chase that their tail on all these sleep studies and all these issues that I just kind of want to shake my head. But that makes sense. So sleep apnea is the one that you do want it diagnosed. But then, as an intermittent faster who has you know low fasting insulin and good cortisol, I'm going to go back to the fact that if you have sleep apnea, you probably have insulin resistance and you know you probably have other metabolic issues do you agree with that yeah i mean well i'm not a sleep apnea expert but i do know a bit about it just being in the field yeah um but there's different types of sleep apnea so there's obstructive sleep apnea sometimes people can you can be the fittest person you could actually be extremely healthy and still have sleep apnea where if your tongue is slipping back, there's a muscle underneath the tongue called the myoglossus muscle. And for some people that gets is weak because of the structure of their jaw or their face. Oh, so it's it anatomical. Blocks the airway. It, it, it's kind of the yeah, way you created. Okay. That makes sense. Or, but, but that being said, Lisa, what you just said, majority of people have it because they're overweight and yeah. you know, they're having, they're carrying too much weight around their, their neck they're just they're 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 carrying extra weight and um, and that is absolutely a contributor to to sleep apnea and if you just lose the weight then all of a sudden the sleep apnea um, you know goes away as well hmm. yeah it's kind of a 
panacea, getting that um, insulin down, glucose, you know, normal glucose readings, all the things, because we know that 92% of the population is metabolically unfit. And that connection has leads into sleep and rest and weight and all so many other things. Okay, let's talk about then, let's start with um, womb to the tomb on sleep (laughs) needs. As an infant, our infants need the most sleep because they're growing, right? Yes. Yeah. So your sleep architecture is going to change throughout your life. And so when somebody asks, you know, how much sleep is the right amount of sleep I should be getting, it's so difficult to answer that question because not only does age impact that, lifestyle impacts it. So how much stress you have, how much and, and how physically active you are, what stage of life you're in, what you know, are you a man, are you a woman? You know, where in the world do you live? Right? All of these things impact how much sleep we need. And that's gonna change. And it can change, you know, our sleep architecture actually can change throughout the seasons. Oh yeah. You know, so you you might, so, so it's really, really like when I, I've been tracking my sleep for about five years and looking back on my sleep data, I noticed during the seasons, there's, there's a cadence. Like I, you know, I could see the changes in my, my own sleep architecture just related to the seasons. So there's, it's really hard to say, Hey, this is the, the right amount of sleep that you need. And I always say that the way that you determine that is, do you wake up feeling refreshed? Do you wake up and do you feel energized and refreshed? And for some people that, that might be six hours. They might wake up after six hours. You really think that, so you do think there's some people who can manage six hours and they're not a, a risk for a heart attack if everything else is in line? Very small amount of people. Yeah. Probably like 2% of the population. Okay. But, the, but yes, there are people. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. for sure. There are people. Um, most people greatly underestimate the amount of sleep that they actually need. That's the truth. And that's for a lot of reasons. I think it's from, um, you know, from programming, from society, you know, viewing sleep as a, a habit of low performers or, or something, a waste of time. There's yes. sort of that aspect. It's it's prevalent. You hear things like you snooze, you lose, sleep when you're right. dead, early bird yes. gets the worm. Like all of these things are ingrained in society for people to think like sleep is this thing that should be avoided. That's, it's like, it's almost like, oh, if you're sleeping, then you're, you know, you don't got anything going on in life type of thing. And that's, that's so sad because, because it's such a beautiful uh, gift that restores every part of our mind body system to be able to actually live life at a, at a high level um, with joy and with with energy and presence and capacity um, so yeah so so and, and if you look at statistically the, the amount of sleep as a society that we're getting it's it's declining and I believe that it's going to continue to decline as technology continues to yeah. invade our life now there are companies and there are you know uh, products, that are trying to enter the bedroom to help improve sleep. And I get excited about that. And I'll say the most of the technology that's available now is actually a barrier to sleep. Uh, the founder of yeah. Netflix said that, you heard this this quote, sleep oh. sleep was this competition. Mm. I'm like, oh God. That's when sick. I heard that, I was like, I'm like yeah. oh no. That breaks my Why heart. Uh, it does, it's so it's so bad. It's so bad. and and. And people are under the hypnosis of of um, a lot of these social media platforms, and including you know these TV uh, apps and things like Netflix, and and it's uh, it's tough. It takes real discipline to draw boundaries and to um, to put in place sort of conditions 
to then have sleep be natural and be restorative. It's, it, it is, it's, it's a real, it's a real commitment, unfortunately, because of the environments that we, we live in now. I champion sleep unlike anything I think I have done in my adult life. Besides, I mean, I've always been, you know, a thyroid advocate because that's when I started noticing my sleep was off. When I was diagnosed with thyroid disease, um, I was 40, 39 or 40. And part of it was I didn't have trouble falling asleep. I had trouble sleep maintenance, which then can be adrenals. It can be progesterone. You know, there are a lot of hormones and thyroid's mm-hmm. a hormone. So that's when I started kind of peeling back the layers of the onion going, what, what is it? Cause when sleep, sleep, when sleep's elusive and runs through your fingers, you know, runs through your hands like sand, it is so frustrating because I was, I knew that it was the reason for the way I felt and the way I performed during the day. So now I look at sleep, not that you care, Devin, but it will make sense to you. I wake up in the morning with my goal is to work on my sleep that night. I wake up looking at the sun and getting my 10 to 20 minutes of sunlight in the morning. Um, yes. I spend I 20 minutes with no sunscreen on getting vitamin D. I have the D Minder app. I sit outside. I drink my Topo Chico. So I'm an intermittent faster. I may not eat till one or two o'clock, you know, whatever it is that works for me. And then at night, I stop what I'm doing to go outside my home again to look at the sunlight. I mean, I look like I'm on fire. And then here's the sexy part of my day (laughs) is putting on my blue light blocking glasses. For those of you on YouTube, you can see them. Um, (laughs) And it's because I'm doing it all to protect my sleep cycle. Now, I may be in fact, because of it, I've eliminated alcohol. Why? Alcohol does nothing but interrupt my sleep. So can you speak to any of those things? Do you, I mean, am I crazy that I run outside in the morning and get my 10 to 20 minutes of sunlight and sunset? Lisa, you are not crazy. You are, (laughs) you are highly intelligent and smart for doing that. Um, Yeah. So, so I feel like I should put my blue light blocking glasses on since I kind of have the Elton John look going on with with mine. I do. These are the, yeah, the Viva rays. You look good. You got, you yeah, got, thanks. yeah, I think thanks. we should just leave them on the rest of this, uh, the, the interview. Here. Because um, So it, that's a good question. Should we be blocking blue light during the day all day? That's a, so yes, it, no, this is really important. I think for people to understand. So there is something called junk light and right. it's these artificial led fluorescent lights that most people that are, they're installed in, in so many office buildings and you're staring at a computer all day or a phone, and that is, it's detrimental to your circadian rhythm. And, mm. and so what you're doing, when you say you wake up and you get some sun on your skin and you, you get some, you know, that is going to help reset your body's natural clock. Watching the sunset, like you said, you also do, yeah. is the other way of helping that melatonin production naturally be released. Um, it's, it's so important. We're so disconnected from the rhythm of the earth that sounds very hippie-ish, but it's the truth. We, wow, you know, we totally. don't get our feet on the ground. We're, yeah. we're indoors more than 90% of the time with artificial fake light. No wonder, um, you know, our melatonin production isn't what it, what it used to be when we were, you know, get, get outside most of the days as farmers or work, working, you know, working on the land as ranchers or whatever it was. Um, so those are just really simple strategies to help the physiological system to remind it of, okay, now it's time to start to produce melatonin. Melatonin is a sleep hormone, right? Now it's time to start 
the cortisol production to, to be decreased in the yeah. morning, right? Getting mm -hmm. the sun on your skin. So it's not rocket science. It's really just about getting back to the natural rhythms of nature and, and really understanding that most of what we do is, is, is really quite the opposite of what right. nature intended us to have. Um, so, so blue light blocking glasses, yes, they're effective if you get a high quality brand. It's really important. The, you know, the cells in the eyes, the myopsin cells, you know, they're picking up different wavelengths, which then trigger all types of different hormone releases throughout the day. Uh, so, so if you are someone who spends most of your time behind a computer under artificial lights, yeah, get some blue light blocking glasses. It would absolutely help um, without a doubt. Here, but more importantly, here's another get trick. Outside. Here's another trick I have. I found Symbiote. Symbiotica cup brand does a spray, topical magnesium oil. Yes. My granddaughter spent the night with me the other night. I sprayed it 15 times on their abdomens. I'm telling you, they were after bath time and we read a story. They couldn't keep their, they're almost six and three. They couldn't keep their eyes open. This is yes. nature's wonder drug. And I do uh, the good magnesium from Bioptimizers too. But I couldn't give that yeah, to my granddaughters because it's capsule form. So this is something that also helps with sleep because magnesium, it's almost got a sedative property, doesn't it? It does. And most people, what's what's interesting about that, most people are actually deficient in magnesium. It's not yeah. in our food as it's not, you know, the soils are depleted of, of this specific mineral. Um, that's why when you go and you swim in the ocean, and, well, not only are you getting light and you're in, yeah. you know, you're getting magnesium, you're getting negative ions, you're getting things that sort of offset stress. But that's one of the th reasons why you sleep so well that night is you're getting, yeah. you know, minerals, and and the skin is an incredible organ for absorbing those minerals. So, um, if if you're not supplementing with a high quality magnesium supplement, the, the next best way is dermally, topically, mm -hmm. like to spray. And so that's a great strategy for sure for just in health in general. And what's good for your health is good for your sleep. Absolutely. Because it's good for your GI tract. It's good for constipation. It's good for anxiety. I mean, it is truly, I'm, I'm not, I, I mean, I don't think you need to take a million supplements for good health. I think a lot of good health is just getting good sleep and sunlight, but I do think this is not medical advice my attorney wanted me to tell you, but I do think everyone needs to do some type of good magnesium. Plus the other thing, Devin, when you mention being at the beach, the other reason we sleep well is we walk in the sand, we're grounding and we're yes. not on our device because you can't really see your device when you're yeah. at the beach. You know, you can't, the screen, it's too hard for your, to see the screen. So it just shows going back to what our ancestors did. I mean, you don't have to, you know, at that point, go kill your own meat. You can eat at the nice restaurant when you're at the beach, but mm -hmm. you're doing other things that our bodies really thank us for. And that includes uh, sunlight, um, the salt, and the water. It, it's therapeutic. I mean, it's healing. That's it another and thing that our government has told people to cut salt out of your diet. Now cut the processed salt out of your diet, table salt, but the other stuff's really good. Okay. Well, then on that same vein, I do now have a red light, which I believe has helped me sleep. But should I, my daughter sometimes um, will come and do red light therapy at night. And I'm wondering, is that going to wake her up? She says it helps her sleep. True or false? Yeah. So, I mean, it really depends. So if you think about it, our ancestors used to sit around fires and tell stories. Yeah. And that red light, there's different types of red light. 
So, you know, the, I think it's photobiomodulation, those uh-huh. red light machines, um, depending on the different wavelengths and they kind of, depending on the device and the brand have different wavelengths, it may or may not be good, to be honest. Um, we use salt lamps in my house, yeah. but that red, red light generally is, you know, you watch a sunset, there's, there's red light, yeah. you sit around a fire, there's red light. And that does help support the, the melatonin production. Um, but there are different wavelengths of red light. So you, you know, this is, I'm not a, again, a light expert, but I do know a bit about this and, um, depending on the wavelengths would, would dictate, Hey, is this something that you want to do more in the morning or would it be beneficial for, uh, towards the end of the day? I, I say salt lamps and candescent bulbs are probably some of the best and just a fire, you know, looking at a fire, um, and doing an indoor sunset. So you start to turn off half of your lights as the sun yeah. starts to set. That's a really good strategy to kind of train the body that, hey, it's it's time to start to wind down and um, to kick on that melatonin faucet. Yeah. So just a rheostat, you're saying just um, adjusting the light in the home can help the brain recognize that it's getting close to sleepy time. I've exactly. even heard Dr. Andrew Huberman, who sleep is one of his things, you know, as a PhD at yes. uh, Stanford is, I, I think he and Dave Asprey both say they turn off all lights and only use candles. I, I, that I would think be, I, I mean, if you want to go. I do think Asprey has <laughs> said that. They only use candles at night. That's like, that's next level, Lisa. And if you want to go, if you want to go next level, yeah. that would probably be the best. Um, but now there there are, there you, you can, candescent bulbs are kind of making a comeback as people kind of realize the detrimental effects of LEDs. And, and sort of all this artificial light that's, you know, sort of wrecking havoc on our, on our systems yes. here. But yeah, candlelight, you, you know, is, uh, that's not only is it, is it good for your sleep, it's good for setting the mood for, you know, um, other things that happen in bed, that's which right. are supportive of sleep. So, that's right. So, that's right. Um, and that's, that's what the bedroom's yeah, for, and, sleep and sex, and maybe some Netflix, but sleep it. and sex. So yeah, I can see that. Yeah, um, that's, yeah. Then what's your, what's your opinion then on naps? Remember Ronald Reagan in the 80s made naps famous because he was known as the leader of the free world who took a 20, 10 to 20 minute cat nap every day. And I think yeah. he did say he maybe only slept six or seven hours a night. A lot of time world leaders do. They're known for their drive and ambition and less sleep. So what do you think about a good nap, a, a, meaning a good nap, a quick nap, not a long nap? Yeah. So if you have chronic insomnia, napping is not a strategy that you want to you wanna do because okay. what it does is it decreases sleep pressure or the buildup of the neurochemical called adenosine that kind yeah. of creates this sort of hunger or desire for sleep. If you don't have chronic insomnia, napping is an incredible strategy for restoring energy. Um, and you know, our body temperature naturally dips in the afternoon, usually it's people think, well, I kind of get tired after lunch. That's because your body temperature is actually dropping. And most countries around the world actually take, you know, siestas and yeah. they take, they close up their stores and they take that, that is a time the body sort of wants to rest. Um, so if you have chronic insomnia, resting is a good strategy, but not napping because napping is going to reduce adenosine and you want that adenosine to build up to create sleep pressure for okay. then sleep to happen. So I've heard Huberman talk about adenosine and that I've never understood exactly its component. So some things modulate then obviously adenosine, is that a hormone then that the hypothalamus produces? It's a or neurochemical. Is neurochemical. So it's, okay. Yeah. So yeah. And, and 
the, the interesting thing about adenosine, caffeine, if you look at the molecular structure of adenosine and caffeine, they're very, very similar. And caffeine actually, what it blocks the adenosine receptor sites. That's why you get that energy. Right. Um, and that's also why, unfortunately, it disturbs sleep. It's, it's not something that you want to have um, later in the day because it's, it's blocking the receptor sites for that adenosine to actually. Who wants to help the dog rescue shelters and add some books to your library? I would think that's most of you listening. I have a new sponsor to the Lisa Fisher Said podcast. It's a woman who's a certified dog trainer with NADOI, which is the National Association of Dog Obedience Instructors. Her aim is to create dog breed identity for best selection. That means an owner's lifestyle should always dictate the breed of dog that person selects. She's a lifelong animal lover. And she's Pat Becker Wallace. She's an author and a philanthropist. She's devoted her life and her livelihood to animals as a dog lover, an animal enthusiast, and a pet advocate. She even hosted a national PBS show called The World of Dogs Biography Series. She's written many books and has partnered with many authors to write books to educate your children and to entertain your family with these books that deal with dogs. In fact, her goal with these books is to do what she's always done. That's to match the right breed with the right owner, which is so important to her. And the best part is when you buy one of these books, you are benefiting local shelters. Some of these are in Arkansas, including Care and Out of the Woods. One of the books from her website benefits the Heifer Ranch in Perryville, Arkansas. It's a book about these unique dogs at the Heifer Ranch. So I want you to go to the website, Dog talktv.com. The link is in the show notes and buy some books and know that you're helping the rescues and you're helping your family and the next generation learn about respecting and loving animals. Dogtalktv.com. Hi, friends. I want to take a moment just to introduce you to something that I offer my listeners, my friends, my followers, and that is an online course where you can start fasting today. Yes, I do love me some intermittent fasting. I am a certified health coach and I began fasting in 2017. It totally changed my life. It changed the way not only that I look at food and nourishment nutrition, but I take less thyroid medicine. Some autoimmune diseases have been reversed. It's really the magic of fasting. But sometimes people just need a coach or a partner. But You know, it may be cost prohibitive to hire someone like me by the hour. Well, do my online course. My online course, lisafishersaid.com slash academy. Right now for an introductory price is $49.97. You can start fasting today. The first video in that series is free. So go ahead and check that out. But I want you to get healthy and you can do it affordably. And then I'll save you money in the long run because you buy less food. (laughs) It's a great thing. I love fasting. I bet you will too. LisaFisherSaid.com slash academy. Got it. Well, he even has, a, I think it's Huberman that even has the philosophy of consuming your coffee an hour and a half, 90 minutes after after you wake up. Not first thing in the morning, like a lot of people, you know, run to the coffee maker and pour the coffee. They say, wait 90 minutes. And I don't understand, what what, what is the thinking behind that? 
Yeah, so our cortisol levels are naturally highest in the morning. That's what actually wakes you up out of sleep. And caffeine is kind of, I like to give the analogy, it's kind of like dumping gasoline on an already hot fire. So it actually activates the adrenal glands. It sort of increases cortisol even more. And you, you want to sort of wait for the cortisol to naturally start to come down before you put something in your body that's going to oh, kind of kick it back up. I see. And so... Also, caffeine is a diuretic. So when we, throughout the night, we lose, Lisa, we lose about a liter of water through respiration and sweat every night. That's really? a lot of water. Yes. Isn't so it? So we it's sweat, crazy. we sweat every night in bed? We sweat. And also it's a lot of it's through respiration, just breathing. Huh. You're, okay. you're losing water. And think about it. If you're in, if you're in your bed, let's say uh, eight and a half hours and you're sleeping eight, right? You're, you're not consuming any liquids during that time. Right. Right. You're just breathing. And um, so, so you wake up in a pretty much a dehydrated state. So you don't want to further that dehydration by putting something in that's a diuretic that's going to dehydrate you even more. Um, so that's why waiting 90 minutes, starting your day with water, preferably something alkaline, maybe with some lemon in it, um, would be a better strategy to let the cortisol start to dip and also to hydrate the system before you put something acidic in that's also going to you know, activate the adrenal glands. What's the latest possible time of the day you tell people they should consume caffeine? What's your, what's the so good this, cutoff for everybody? Yeah. Lisa, this is a bit tricky to answer because there, everyone metabolizes caffeine at different rates. And so mm -hmm. some people are fast metabolizers of caffeine. Some people are slower. So you could get a test, like a genetic test to kind of see what type of metabolizer you are. But as a general rule of thumb, I say, you know, the half-life of caffeine is, is, about five to six hours. So it's in your system for anywhere from 10 to 12 hours. Oh, so wow. yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. And so the afternoon, you know, like t a lot of times people have like an afternoon espresso or coffee. That's not really ideal, to be honest. When we're talking about really optimizing sleep, it would be, you know, you have your morning coffee and then after, if you're going to have something that has caffeine in it, have like a tea or something that's has less caffeine, not a giant Starbucks that has like a you know, 200 milligrams of, of caffeine and a bunch of sugar in it. Um, but, but everyone in, in caffeine also is, it's the most abused drug in the world. Um, mm -hmm. It's addictive, right? And it's mm -hmm. also there's, you build up a tolerance to it. So the more you use it, the more you need to feel those effects. And so that's also important for people to understand that it is a drug. You know, it's, caffeine is a psychoactive drug. Mm -hmm. And that's why Starbucks is, you know, a multi-billion dollar company. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I would say the afternoon, just to answer the question. Yeah. Okay. Then what's your opinion on alcohol? I know for me personally, that is the, as I said, one of the main reasons I've eliminated it. I realized no matter what I did, it interrupted my sleep later, you know, even though yeah. it helps you fall asleep. So what's the thinking on alcohol consumption and what it does to our sleep rhythm? Yeah. So, so alcohol is the other, unfortunately people take, you know, caffeine is the upper alcohol is the downer, right? So it is a sedative. It, it can help you fall asleep faster, but what it does is it dehydrates you. Number one, it's a toxin number two, and it changes your body temperature. So heat kind of heats the body up and you want your body temperature needs to drop two to three degrees Fahrenheit for sleep to happen. So caffeine too close to, I mean, alcohol too close to bedtime. It's unfortunately, no matter what, it's going to disturb your sleep. Yeah. Now, it's important to understand that quality also makes a difference. So if you're drinking, you know, a glass of red wine at dinner and it's biodynamic, it's organic, it's low in mm -hmm. sulfites, it's low in alcohol, that's going to have a different impact 
on your sleep quality than if you were to drink a cheap bottle of wine that was loaded with sulfites that, you know, was super high in alcohol. Um, you know, so quality makes a huge difference when we talk about alcohol consumption, timing and quality. But ideally, if you're going to consume alcohol, you want to consume high quality alcohol at least four hours before you're, you want to be asleep. Um, and you don't want to make that something that's a ritual that you do every, every, every night because it really isn't, isn't a, you know, ideal for quality of sleep. It gets in the way of REM sleep, which is a really important stage of sleep. We'll talk about REM sleep in just a minute. I want to continue on alcohol. You know, if you go to Europe, they serve um, Prosecco, the Aperol Spritz, like we do iced tea. And in fact, at lunch, they say, do you want Aperol Spritz? You're like, yes. Until then when I drink it and then at about 1.30, I am fading. So I was just wondering... It, that may be their philosophy that they are drinking it earlier in the day. So no, they drink all day. Forget that. Scratch that from the record. <laughs> I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt because I don't, I really don't know you people who go to brunch on Saturday and Sunday and you're drinking. I, I mean, I commend you because it wouldn't work for me. I would be asleep in my uh, egg souffle within about 20 minutes. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think it, again, you know, alcohol too is people build up tolerances to it and some people are more sensitive to certain drugs than other people. Um, and, and I think the healthier you become, the more sensitive you become. And so as you people, you know, eat cleaner and get better sleep and become more tuned to their body's needs and desires, caffeine and alcohol or any drug for that matter is going to have a greater effect on your system than someone that's a, a bit more more toxic or is just has a heavier toxic load on their system. So that makes all the sense. The more that I've cleaned up my diet, the more sensitive I am to anything that much gluten can send me, send me over the edge this much soy. You know what I'm saying? The things that I had in a standard American diet, especially before I started intermittent fasting in 2017, before I was cognizant of my diet, I was thought I just was doing high fat and that was enough, but it wasn't. And now I'm seeing food sensitivities in the the tiniest ways. And that all makes sense. Okay, let's now switch over to the stages of sleep. There's we hear about 90 minute cycles, we hear about REM sleep, we and how important that is. So break that down for us. Yeah. So if we're doing it right, we're getting four to five cycles of sleep a night. And a cycle is about about 90 minutes. Okay. So within a cycle, there's different stages of sleep. Each stage is really important. So people think, oh, well, deep sleep, delta sleep, and REM sleep, that's, you know, most important. But you have to get to those stages in light sleep, you know, stages one and two. And so if you look at somebody's sleep architecture, you're going to see it kind of looks like a, like sort of like a wave. And we're mm-hmm. coming out in and out of these different stages of sleep um, over that 90 minute cycle. Now, what's interesting, Lisa, is we get most of our deep sleep, which is where most of the body restoration takes place in the first half of the night. And we get most of our REM sleep, which is really where, you know, memory, uh, short-term memory is getting shuttled to long-term storage. It's more of, you know, cognitively working through the emotional traumas throughout the day. It's, we're dreaming. That happens more at the last couple, two stages before we wake up. And unfortunately, what happens is most people do things that get in the way of the first two stages of sleep, like drink alcohol, you know, watch TV, eat food, which we can talk about eating too close to bedtime. Yes. Your body is digesting food. And then they wake up too early. So they're not, they're, they're kind of like 
shortening the good cycles of stages where you're getting most of your deep sleep and your REM sleep. And so unfortunately, most people don't get enough of that quality sleep because they're doing things that interfere with those those two important cycles in the beginning, the bookends, I like to call of of the night. Do you, or do we all think that dreaming is one of the most important components of restorative sleep or do some people just not recall their dreams? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really dreaming is, as a phenomenon. People really don't know why we dream. There's different theories on dreaming and what's taking place. (laughs) And depending on who you ask, they're going to have a a different sort of uh, response on that. But we all are dreaming. And whether or not you remember your dreams or you want to try to interpret your dreams or make sense of your dreams, um, you know, that's, I think, personal preference. But dreaming, when you're dreaming, primarily we dream in REM. There are now evidence that supports that we also dream in some other stages of sleep, but primarily in rapid eye movement, that's when we're, we're dreaming. I believe personally that dreams are, we're working through traumas, the emotional things that we don't really deal with or process during the day, that happens through dreams. Um, but there's a lot of other kind of abstract theories on, on why we dream, but we really don't know. It's, it's kind of an amazing phenomenon. And it's really interesting that over the ages, a lot of these incredible scientists like Nikola Tesla and Thomas Edison, they've actually used the dreaming state to problem solve. And there's, if you ask a lot of, even today, these people that have extraordinary breakthroughs in in technology or really any field, a lot of times they those breakthroughs happen during the night, which is fascinating to me. Wow. Um, so so yeah, so there. Are, you, I think that dreams you can leverage dreams to sort of problem solve, create problem solve, um, and also work through some some things that maybe uh, are not in our in our conscious awareness that need to be processed in order to uh, to be clear and focused in our lives. So are you saying though we can have dreams even if we don't get into REM sleep? Like I know I swear I yeah. dream if during a nap. If I have a 20 minute nap, I swear that I maybe it's not 20 minutes, maybe it's 30 minutes, but I know that I dream even in a short period of time, but that's not I don't get to the 90 minutes. Yeah, and so so you actually might be in REM sleep. So it's not like um sometimes huh. so for instance, it's not like the way that sleep architecture works is it's not like you're you, you might fall asleep and go right into like a deeper sleep, a delta okay. sleep or REM sleep. So, so it's not like, okay, stage one, two, three, four. Right. It's That's kind what of, I thought it was. You, yeah. So you can kind of jump around. And what's interesting, what's fascinating about the body is if in people that are in sleep deprived states, they've done studies that show that the body sort of adapts. It'll prioritize different stages of sleep if you're sleep deprived to get you what you need. You know, so it's, 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 there's such an incredible uh, intelligence to this system we call the body. Um, and so it, it, so that's kind of it, it the body has this in, amazing intelligence that it, that's what it does. So it's not sort of like this, this, um, it changes every night. It, the, your sleep architecture is going to look huh. totally different every yeah. single night. It's not going to be anywhere close to what it was the night before. You've been tracking your sleep for five years. What have you noticed? What will give you a spike of one stage of sleep or what will help? What will diminish it in other ways? Is it stress? Is it what you, is it the food sensitivities? Is it what you ate? You know, things like that. Yeah. The biggest thing that I've seen in my life uh, that, I, that I've noticed is stress is the number one reason that yeah. we don't sleep well. Um, whether it's mental, emotional, or physical stress, 
um, for sure, without a doubt. Also, eating too close to bedtime, that yeah. is, that's definitely gets in, it's very apparent that we're not getting into the deeper stages of sleep. I can see that in my own data. If there's not a three and a half hour window between, you know, my last bite of food, yeah. I noticed that the deep sleep and, and to be, and to be honest, these, the, the, I use the aura ring for tracking these devices. They've gotten way better. They're not hundred percent accurate. Nothing is even a sleep study. I mean, it's kind of the gold standard, but, mm-hmm. um, so really what I'm looking for is, is trends over time. And also how do I feel? How do I feel the next day? Cause I can, it's not just about the data. It's about how do you feel? Like if, mm-hmm. if, if, and so I know on the nights that I eat too close to bedtime, I wake up the next day and I can kind of feel like I not as rested. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for sure stress is, that's the number one thing that keeps most people mm-hmm. up, including myself. Um, so mitigating the stress and understanding, you know, how to sort of master stress is such a critical part of, of, uh, sleep optimization. Well, we've touched a little bit on hormones, cortisol being one, um, progesterone for women, it's nature sedative. Um, what our adrenals are doing. When do you start looking at supplementation like um, adaptogens or CBD or all the different, I mean, CBD doesn't necessarily affect your hormones, but I guess it could. But I'm looking at adrenal support and some other things that are, you can get a good over-the-counter if you go to like a good pharmacy and get it from them, not the junky stuff at Walmart. But what do you look at in supplementation that you really like? Yeah. I mean, so it's really important to understand that supplements are to supplement a healthy lifestyle. So if, if you're not doing these other things that we've talked about so far, a supplement, I don't care how good a quality is, isn't going to make the difference. You know, people look at supplements kind of like these like magic silver bullets yeah. and it's maybe 5% improvement, maybe. Uh, even if you have the highest qualities, whatever it is. Um, that being said, there are definitely things that can support sleep. You know, um, some of the ones that I really like, it, you mentioned CBD, a high quality CBD uh, can can, ap- can help. Number one, it can help with pain, pain management and inflammation. But there are some studies that show that now that it does support sleep. Marijuana, on the other hand, unfortunately, THC gets in the way of uh, getting into REM sleep which is again, a really important stage of sleep. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of kava actually. Oh yeah. Um, and I, yeah. And so most people don't know what kava is. And if they've tried it, they're like, oh, that's disgusting. I could never, you know, incorporate that. But there's a, there's a company um, called Kava Plex. They make a okay. kava oil, high quality kava oil. And the reason why I like kava is because Kava has a, not, not only does it have a reverse tolerance, meaning the more you take it, the less you need to take to have the desired effect, but it also helps rebuild the GABA system in the brain. And most of these supplements, not really supplements, medications that people take to help them sleep work on the GABA system, but they deplete the GABA system. And what Kava does is it helps restore and rebuild the GABA system in the brain. So I'm a huge fan of um, Kava, uh, you know, ashwagandha, is is a great for stress yes. and cortisol management. Yes. Um, and there's some great form, formulations out there that have, you know, L-theanine. There's a lot of different things that people can can kind of experiment with. At the end of the day, it's really, you got to experiment with things because everyone's biochemistry is unique. Everyone's sort of, you know, diet and lifestyle is unique. So what works for one person really well might not work for someone else. So that's really where you got to be open to experimentation. Um, but again, it's such a small... It, it's not going to move the needle as much as people or supplement companies would want us to believe. 
Well, that's right. Marketing is, has ruined us in a lot of ways because we believe what we've been told. We, we were told we needed to have fourth meal when those of us who intermittent fast go, no, you need about one and a half. <laughs> so uh, I can definitely yeah. push back. And breakfast is not the most important meal today. Um, we've been told that. Uh, so GABA, G-A-B-A, is, that's that, what is that? And then how is it different from kava? <laughs> now I'm confused. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, so kava is a Polyne- is a root from Polynesia, um, and so the Polynesian islands they've been using this root, which they make into a brew, um, kind of like a tea, if you will, and they drink. They've been using it for thousands of years in their ceremonies, whether it's a you know like a funeral or a celebration or some type of spiritual ceremony. And that that it's it's what it is is a natural sedative. You can think of it okay. as a natural sedative. All right. And so a lot of the, the medications that are out there that are sedatives, um, again, they're sort of these chemical compounds that work on the GABA system in the brain. And the GABA system of the brain, you can think of the GABA system like the brakes on your nervous system, okay? Okay. And so a lot of, a lot of the medications work on the system as the brakes. But what they do is they're breaking the nervous system, but they're not, they're sort of uh, they're depleting our natural ability to do that. Whereas kava, drinking kava actually creates more connections in that system to allow it to break um, with less, which is why it's such an incredible um, plant medicine, really. So it, it's uh, something so, you drink before you go to bed? Yes, you can drink it. There's, there's, I take it as a tincture. So okay. There's an oil that you, it's, you know, you sublingually underneath the, uh, the mouth, um, because honestly it doesn't taste, it doesn't taste very good. Yeah. Um, right. That's probably why it's not so popular. Um, but again, there are companies now that have found ways of processing it with keeping the integrity of the active constituents that, that it tastes, you can't really taste, it doesn't taste as bad, but how, you know, you got a really good kava is actually your tongue will go numb. It, it's a, it's a, yeah. So, uh, here in Florida, we actually have a lot of bar. There's a lot of, um, people in recovery in South Florida. There's, this is the, the recovery capital of the world is in South Florida. And there not surprisingly is also many Kava bars that, uh, have popped up over the last decade or longer because people that, you know, they still want to go and be social and relax, but obviously they don't want to go do that in a bar. Got right? it. So they go to, got it these kava bars. So I don't know, do you, you're in Arkansas? Yeah, Lisa? no, we, we, we're, people still smoke cigarettes here. So we're way behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you're not going to find kava bar in no. Arkansas. Um, no, not yet, but, but you never a, know. We might. Yeah. You know what? I, I think it's, um, it's definitely worth an experience if you're ever in a place and usually you'll find these in more of, um, you know, places that are, uh, you know, cutting edge type of, yeah, you know, right. modern places. Um, but they're popping up and there's, there's good reason for why they're popping up. Yeah. Well, um, it goes along with that is something else people use in recovery is, um, the higher dose naltrexone, right? I'm taking yes. the low dose naltrexone to mitigate some autoimmune conditions. Cause I have a lot of autoimmune diseases and I, I really, I mean, I've just about reversed them. You know, I mean, I, I've made incredible progress, but there's something about, I do think that LDN has caused my loss of interest in alcohol. I'm a slow metabolizer because I've had that test done. Mm. So that's why I don't, I can't really tolerate caffeine. That's probably why I can't tolerate alcohol. I, I, I'm really like a 15 pound infant on or 
toddler. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I, you just can't. A thimbleful is all I can take. But the low dose naltrexone <laughs> has also increased my dreaming, which mm, is crazy, crazy dreams. In fact, I had to back off on it. I had to come to a lower dose because I couldn't even tolerate it. But it, there's something wow. to it magically that helps with autoimmune, helps with getting better sleep. I mean, there are a lot of factors in that. Do you know much about the LDN? I don't actually. Yeah, you would you would definitely uh, know a lot more than that about that than it, I do. So yeah, it's I don't it's know really interesting. That. And then when I, I looked into it, because I really have all of a sudden have an aversion to alcohol, and I was reading that the higher dose naltrexone is what um, people use when they're having when they're in the middle of um, an overdose, whatever that thing is called that people it's like in a pen or something like it's the epi pen of mm. overdoses, but it's at a high okay. dose. Maybe it's at 50 milligrams. And what I take is three milligrams. So I, I was just seeing if there was a connection there, but it does help with sleep. It does help with, it gets you into better dreaming, which might mean mm. I have better sleep. So there it's, it's all connected. Okay. Let's move on to mouth, mouth taping. What, what's your philosophy on that? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, my philosophy is it's um, it's not something you want to you want to do if you're a mouth breather. You definitely want to retrain your body to breathe through your nose. And uh, there's a great book called Breathe that everyone should read that'll explain yeah. all the benefits of nasal breathing. Um, and so, yeah, so mouth taping is something I personally have experimented mm-hmm. with and do recommend for people that are mouth breathers. The first time I walked into the bedroom with uh, this tape on my mouth, my wife looked at me like, what the hell is going right. on? Um, and she ripped it, it off and then you lost your mustache and your part of your goatee. Exactly. Then, yeah. Then it really hurt. I was, it was, it was terrible. I couldn't do any podcasts for, for about a month. Um, so no, it is, it is a great strategy to, to retrain the body to nasal breathe. And nasal breathing is really important for nitrous oxide production. And it's also, I mean, it's one of the things that, you know, you don't really think about it, right? Most people don't think about breathing, um, but the, the breath is such a powerful way of mitigating so many diseases. It's about, you know, it's so connected to our nervous system. Just changing mm-hmm. how you breathe can change your state, your physical, mental, and emotional state. Um, so Training yourself to nasal breathe through the night is an amazing strategy for increasing quality of sleep, especially if you're a mouth breather. It's also good for your dental hygiene. Right. You know, it's so good and to, like uh, you know, you don't jaw have development. Breath. Like they've shown yes. pictures of modern man as opposed to 100 or 200 years ago and how the jaw and the teeth and things have changed because we have, we're just a bunch of mouth breathers, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, mouth taping. And then what I would always recommend for people that were, you know, wanting to experiment with this, cause it is a bit esoteric, um, but doing a breathe right strip to open yeah. up the nasal yeah. passages of the, of the nose. Uh, and then the great part about mouth taping is you don't have to do it consistently. It's, it's something that you do for a period of time until your body is retrained in naturally breathing through your nose. So for me, I was a mouth breather and it took me about two weeks of mouth taping to then say, I don't need to mouth tape anymore. My body just recognized, okay, now we're breathing from our nose. Um, so I do, I do think it's a great strategy and it can help with snoring for sure. Okay. okay. So, you know, it's a great strategy for people that snore. Uh, I definitely would recommend if you're, you know, snore, get an apnea test and start to mouth tape. 
that can help. Okay. Well, let's give our listeners um, the minute, give me a minute shameless self-promotion on the Sleep Science Academy and how people can reach out to you. Because I think what you do is fascinating science. And I think helping people sleep is as important as helping little old ladies cross the road. I mean, it it is (laughs) the backbone of our future. So tell me what you do. Yeah. So it's a holistic approach based in science. And essentially what we do is uh, we give people the education, support, and tools that they're missing to naturally sleep. And so over the course of eight weeks, we're giving people the education that they need, as well as the support and tracking, tracking their sleep to show them, hey, as you make these changes in your, your thoughts and in your behaviors, how that impacts and improves your sleep. But we work with uh, really the, the worst of the worst, the people that have tried medications, acupuncture, functional medical doctors. These okay. are people that are at the end of the rope where we're, if, if they're willing to do what we ask them to do, we're able to help. We're able to help them. We have a 97% success rate for people that complete our program. That's awesome. I have so, a client right now I'm thinking of who definitely needs you. So I, I think a lot of people do. I think sleep, as I said earlier, is just kind of elusive for some people and other people, I, you know, we get it and we sleep well and we wake up without an alarm, which isn't that our goal is to wake up without an alarm at a decent time. Yeah. I, ideally. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you are able to create a lifestyle where you're able to have that, that is the, you know, ideally the ideal situation is to be able to let your body tell you when it's, it's time to wake up versus a, you know, a device. Um, okay. But yeah, it is. Sleep is one of the greatest gifts that we all are given. And, and we definitely take it for granted when we're, we're sleeping well and really it affects our lives in a huge way when we're not. So anyone that's uh, struggling with sleep, we'd love to see if we might be able to support you. Okay. Link in show notes. Devin, great job today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Lisa. This was a great conversation. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.